back with you with season three, episode five, moving from ideas to execution. And we're happy to have our co-host, Mike, with us. Hey, Mike, what's up? Hey, Latoya, how's it going today? It's going. Um, you know, I've been watching all of the back-to-school uh, social media posts and people sharing how excited they are for a new school year. And I was thinking, you know, whenever I was a principal and you and I were principals, we would spend the summer, especially the last part right before school started, really doing a lot of idea generation and thinking about, was there anything else we wanted to try, come up with? And then the task was carrying that out. So that led me to begin thinking about how it's interesting to me that some leaders are really good with generating ideas, but really struggle with executing those. And then others are good with executing ideas, like putting things into practice, but struggle to generate ideas. So where do you think that tension is? Like, what do you think is the challenge for leaders when it comes to that? I don't know, that's a great question, but I think the first thing that this points to is knowing uh, as a leader your own strengths and weaknesses. So if you know you are really good at coming up with ideas, but the implementation is a little bit more of a struggle, you know, that just speaks to having a team around you that can help you with your shortfall there. And then same thing conversely, if you're really good at putting things into practice, but you struggle coming up with plans and ideas, then of course, you need to surround yourself with those types of leaders. So uh, one thing to really think about is knowing yourself and your strengths and weaknesses as a leader and being able to complement yourself with, with other people who can help push you in the areas that you need to be pushed in. I would agree. And Mike, I in, in my thinking about this, I couldn't help but think back to something that you always say and talk about. And that is that leaders are readers. Um, And so I think for those folks who struggle to come up with ideas, sometimes it's because they haven't built a strong repertoire of knowledge um, and information and that by doing some some really deep reading and research, you can add to your knowledge base. And that way, when you get ready to generate ideas, you actually have something to pull from. So what would you say to encourage those leaders out there who maybe aren't 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 um, diligent readers or want to be innovative but um, don't take the time? How can they incorporate time in their leadership to really make sure they're reading and staying up on information? I think it's it's critical. You just have to find that time. I don't know of any tricks or hacks or anything other than just putting the work in. I mean, if you're struggling to come up with ideas on how to tackle a problem, but you do no research about that problem, you know, and you're just hoping that an idea is going to pop into your head, well, you know, I'm not really sure that that's going to happen very often. You just have to put the time in. You know, I have heard of, I never quite was able to do this, but um, I've heard of people, uh, leaders, blocking off time in their schedule to have reading time. So you take an hour uh, a week or an hour every other day and you block it in your schedule um, and that is your reading time during the school day. So uh, if you're really struggling finding time to read and research, that might be a way to do that. But if you're just thinking, you know, some miraculous thing's going to happen and you're going to get a great idea, that's probably not the case. You have to put the work in. Just like, you know, lots of us are, are former coaches. Um, you can't expect an athlete to be a great athlete if they're not putting the work in behind the scenes, if they're not in the weight room, if they're not getting the reps on the side, all those things. 
Same thing with, with leading. If you do not have that strong knowledge base, it's going to be hard to come up with anything to tackle the problems you might be facing. Yeah, I, I would agree. So, you know, Mike, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm reflecting back on my time as a leader, um, as a school principal, and trying to think about a time when I wanted to implement something, but didn't quite have the ideas or the, the information I needed to carry it out. And how did I approach that work? Um, uh, I'm specifically, you know, brought back to the idea of professional learning communities. I remember reading everything I could get my hands on. It was something I wanted to do. And I remember the first article I read, I still have a copy of it. It's, it's real old now, um, over 10 years old by Rick and Becky DeFore. And it was just a, a summary overview of what is a professional learning community? And I started there and went on to read Learning by Doing, Professional Learning Communities at Work. And once I had read those books, then I started trying to design ways to implement that. Sometimes I see what I see with leaders is they have pieces of information. So maybe they've heard about how other folks are implementing something that they want to implement or maybe they've seen what it looks like in another school, in another state, another district, and they try to build a model based on what they've seen and heard, but don't take the time to inform themselves. Um, why do you think that challenge exists in, in school leadership? I feel like there's a, a divide in uh, the business interest industry and education leadership industry in that business leaders see the, the need to... Uh, participate in research and development as a part of their work, why that seems to be something that happens outside of our work. And I'm really perplexed by that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, it goes back to a quote that you always say is, you know, trying to avoid the dessert smorgasbord. You know, in a, in a school, we have so many challenges. And, and frankly, our kids' lives are at stake. Their well-being is at stake. Their future is at stake. And we want to do something that is going to get us uh, a return on our investment, so to speak, and, and help our students. So I think, you know, we just want to try everything and we want to move from one thing to the next without putting in the time to diligently research it. And and what you were talking about is a great example of something I wanted to talk about as well is, is, is doing the extreme research needed. You can't just come up with an idea and say, oh, this sounds pretty cool. Let's go ahead and implement it because it's not going to work. When you were becoming a expert on PLCs, you put a lot of time in reading books about it, reading articles about it, I'm sure watching lots of different videos, all those things, but putting in the time to have a full understanding. Because another thing I think that does, and leaders, I think this is really important, it shows your teachers or those you're trying to influence that you have the background knowledge, you've taken the time to really learn about it, it's not just something you're, you know, throwing up at the wall and hoping will stick, it's not just hit or miss, you are you are behind this innovation and you have studied it and you're going to do it together as a team. If you just want to innovate to innovate, it's going to fail. Yeah. And I think that's really important because lots of times we want to jump to the newest, coolest thing. But to me, that's innovating just to innovate. And that's not why you should be looking to do something different. You should identify your problem, whether it's student achievement, collaboration, any of those things. And then you come up with a plan on how to address that. Sometimes it's innovative, sometimes it's maybe not be it's not seen as innovative, but it's thoroughly thinking through the R and D that you're just speaking of and coming up with a plan and then putting in steps to execute it. If you just want to go off on a tangent on everything, you're gonna struggle with execution because you're not focused on anything. I would 
would agree. I would agree. And I think what happens so many times, Mike, is folks are quick to implement something that they're not well and, and have quality, have done a quality R&D to inform themselves of. And so what happens is they implement it without having the knowledge base that they need to be able to, um, you know, work through barriers or obstacles that come up or get in the way of that that particular practice being excellent. And so then they abandon it and say, you know, this isn't working. We tried that. It didn't work. When the truth is, it's not that it didn't work. You didn't really have the knowledge base you needed to be able to do that at a level of excellence. It brings me to a thought that I had too this week um, about how so many times when we get a practice and we quick, we're quick to implement it without having done all the things behind the scenes to ready ourselves to be able to do that with excellence, we demand excellence from other people. So our way to get that, bring that practice to fruition, to execute it is to say, we're doing PLCs and you're going to do it and I expect you to do it and you need to be doing better with your PLCs. And that doesn't really help people get better. You know, a demand of excellence is not enough. You have to be able to provide feedback and coaching to advance the practices of folks. You can demand high quality all the day. I mean, many, many times in leadership, we hear folks say things like, you know, well, I think the problem is that the leader has low expectations. And I don't know about you, Mike, but I have not heard many leaders say, I really want you to perform at a low, low level. That's my expectation. I haven't seen people reinforce, you know, low expectations. Um, So I don't know that that's really the core of the issue. I think the core of the issue is you got to move beyond high expectations. When I think about what we were trying to do as co-principals, we did have high expectations of our teachers, but we had a very solid practice um, of providing quality, robust feedback because our ultimate goal was to advance the practices of educators. How do we help educators? How do we help our teachers improve their practices? So along with saying, yes, we expect you to do your very best, I think we did an excellent job of giving them solid feedback that helped them improve their practice. So how do you get leaders to move beyond a simple demand of, you know, execute this idea with excellence to really working through the tools and opportunities to make people better, help people get better at what they do? I think the key to all that, Latoya, is we were, when we were together as principals, and I'm sure before, when we were in separate buildings, we were right next to our teachers working side by side. And if you were able to call or email any of our teachers that we had the opportunity to work with, they would say we were right there with them. So think about leaders, think about in the classroom, you want your teachers to have high expectations for students, because of course, why wouldn't you? But lots of times, uh, or sometimes, that what that translates to is a teacher says, I have high expectations, and if you don't get it the first time, you're going to fail my class, you're going to poor grade. That's not really high expectations. That is um, not giving the, if they're not giving the students the support they need to get there, that, that's a problem. So same thing, leaders, uh, that's why we talk about this all the time, you know, same thing with, with leaders. If you are telling your teachers, oh, I have high expectations for you, you're going to do this, but you're not sitting next to them providing the support, you're really just talking. And that is one of my pet peeves of leadership is when you say you have high expectations, one, what does that even mean? And two, if you're not providing the support, then what are you doing as the leader? So, so I would encourage the leaders to sit side by side with your folks. Uh, that builds a lot of rapport, and it shows that you're invested in developing them. And you have the time 
sometimes to do the research behind the scenes to figure something out to become an expert and then share that with your teachers. I think that's critical. I, I could not agree more. And I think the problem comes when feedback is so general. You need to do better. You need to improve. You know, it's the difference between observing a teacher whose students don't really have a clear understanding of how they're going to be assessed and saying, you know, your students just seemed lost. You, you need to do a better job of keeping them focused and, give, and giving that kind of feedback versus saying, you know, I would like to, for you to think about how you might use your daily objective as a way to help your students have a clear understanding about how they'll be assessed. And so not only, you know, making sure they know what it is they're supposed to learn and be able to do for the day, but at the end of the day, asking them to do a type of self-assessment, going back to that objective and saying, okay, based on this objective that we talked about at the beginning of class, tell me where you are with this. Do you feel like you've learned and you can do what it is you're supposed to know and be able to do? Would you say you're at mastery, you're confused, or you have no idea? And if so, where are you getting hung up? That's a completely different conversation with a teacher than you need to improve. You need to do better. Your test scores aren't high enough. I mean, that's completely different. So, you know, I think one of the big deals about moving from idea to execution, it isn't just about demanding high expectations or excellence. It is about having the tools to be able to help others move their performance and improve their practice in a way that moves the organization uh, in a direction that you hope for it to move in. Um, so that, that's important to me. Uh, Mike, if you had one, one last thought that you'd leave for leaders when it comes to, you know, how you improve um, getting from the idea phase to the execution phase, what, what would that last thought be? Uh, one thing I, I want leaders to think about is oftentimes introducing something new, we think teachers are resistant, resistant when they hear about it. I want you to think about when you're trying to introduce something new, You've had a lot of time to think about it. You've probably been thinking about it for months and figuring out how it may or may not work. When you introduce something to teachers, they're hearing it for the very first time. So when there might be some pushback, I don't want you to just abandon an idea because your teachers are not, you know, buying into it or, or being open to it. It's the first time they heard it. Oftentimes, as leaders, when we first hear an idea, we think that, you know, it might be garbage too, but when we have time to think about it and process become much more open to it. So I see a lot of ideas fail with toy even before you get to the implementation because you get a lot of pushback possibly from teachers and it may not be that they're against it. They're just hearing it for the first time. They haven't had time to process it. So keep that in mind as you're leading something in your school or your office. Gosh, Mike, I think you make an excellent point. You know, and everybody's process time and process framework looks different, you know. So I, I would love for us to have further conversation about that. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed episode five from Ideas to Execution. We can't wait to see you next time. Until next time, be you, be true, be a hope builder. This is Leadership with LaToya for Leaders on the Grow.